Waitsfield. Take the guesswork out of shopping for a used vehicle. Hi folks, I'm Dan Keen, owner of Lamoille Valley Ford. Customers tell us the one thing that scares them most about buying a used car or truck is ending up with somebody else's problems. That's why at Lamoille Valley Ford, we specialize in Ford certified pre-owned vehicles. You need to know a Ford certified pre-owned vehicle is a cream of the crop used car or truck that has gone through a rigorous 172 point inspection, has a clean Carfax report, and qualifies for financing as low as one 1.9%. Plus, folks, get this. A Ford certified pre-owned vehicle comes with a 7-year, 100,000-mile warranty with 24-hour roadside assistance. That's a better warranty than a brand new vehicle for a lot less money. Now, currently at Lamoille Valley Ford, we have over 35 Ford certified pre-owned cars and trucks available for you in all price ranges. So drive Route 14, 15, or 16 to Hardwick and Lamoille Valley Ford. Get peace of mind when you buy a used, certified pre-owned vehicle at Lamoille Valley Ford. It's time to get the story behind the story. Interviews with newsmakers, newsbreakers, and your phone calls. Radio Vermont presents The Mark Johnson Show. Thank you, Jim Condon. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program. Thanks for tuning in. Another gorgeous day today. Thanks for spending part of it with us. Coming up on the program this morning, we're going to find out why on earth anybody would ever want to leave this beautiful state that we're in and what it will take to get them to come back, particularly young people, younger people. Uh, which will include all of us today. We're uh, going to take your phone calls as well on the program. You can reach us at 244-1777. That's our local number in central Vermont. And you can also reach us on our toll-free lines at 877-291-8255. Coming up tomorrow on the program, we'll be down at the uh, State House in Montpelier, what, uh, what I'm sure we all hope will be the uh, final Mark Johnson show of the 2015 legislative session Still looks like adjournment is on track for the weekend, but tomorrow will be a critical day as it kind of gets down to this last 72 hours when really everything kind of shakes out here. So we'll be down there tomorrow in the belly of the beast. You can uh, join us at any point in the program today at 244-1777, toll-free 877-291-8255. Let's give a nice from Radio Vermont welcome this morning to a couple of folks from the University of Vermont. Cheryl Morse is an assistant professor of geography. Richard Watts is the director of the Center for Research on Vermont. And as uh, I mentioned here at the top of the program, they uh, we're going to discuss this, what's really been a, a real hot topic of discussion here in Vermont. Why or do, I guess first question is, do a large number of younger people leave the state of Vermont? Why do they leave? What what will it take to get them back? And is this really that big a problem? So we're going to chat with our guests about that coming up this morning. Cheryl, let me uh, start with you. Thanks for joining us. How are you this morning? Great. Thank you, Mark. Tell me about this uh, project. What, how did it start? What was the genesis? The genesis was fall of 2013. Uh, there was a team of researchers who were gathering for a meeting completely unrelated to uh, to the Vermont topic. And we were chatting. It was a historian, Jill Mudgett, a uh, sociologist uh, who now works for the state, Wendy Geller, uh, and Seth Marino, who's an education specialist. And we were chatting after this conference and realized that we were all, all four of us had grown up in Vermont. We were still in Vermont. We all had PhDs and somehow we had survived. And so the question that comes up is how did you manage to stay? There are very few of us uh, who are... Um, full-time faculty in Vermont who are from Vermont. Hmm. So that generated a discussion about the topic of out-migration and um, we realized that although we have a lot of census data about people exiting the state and coming into the state, we didn't really have stories. The individual kind of personal grappling that people do to decide what they're going to especially people who grew up in Vermont, are they going to stay or leave or come back? So we decided we would just uh, get together and do a very modest little survey. Mm -hmm. And the goal of it was to collect individual stories. Um, and the way we unrolled it uh, was to just use our own alumni network. So each of us had graduated from a Vermont high school. I was the old lady in the group. I had graduated high school in 1985. The youngest was 2008. So we thought, well, if we just... Uh, post our survey on, on our Facebook networks or send it out to our friends or family members, we'll get maybe 75. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. How'd that work out? Uh, at the end of three weeks, we had uh, 3,692 responses to the survey. 
That's amazing. The power of social media, huh? Yeah, who knew? <laughs> yeah. Be, um, before we get to what you found from the people that you talked to, talk about the four of you in your discussions before you even started this. Did you find anything in, in any commonalities between the four of you? Uh, I, I think our only, I think our commonality is, well, I guess there was two things. One is that we had, we each had this experience of growing up in Vermont in, in relatively rural places. We were all from sort of small high schools. None of us had grown up in Chittenden County. Um, and the second commonality was we had an abiding interest in Vermont from some disciplinary perspective, whether it was history or education or, in my case, geography. So those things naturally led us to uh, these more personal discussions about sort of surviving as a professional in the state, but also our families and what our brothers and sisters and cousins and parents are doing. Um, so that really generated the discussion. Mm -hmm. why, why do you think you ultimately stayed? Um, I ultimately stayed. Uh, this is something that Jill Mudgett, the historian, talks about a lot. Um, I think that I imprinted on the landscape very early, at a very early age. And uh, every time I traveled out of the state for whatever purpose, even if it was a move where I thought maybe I'd stay there for a few years, I was always comparing the landscape to home mm -hmm. and saying, well, this is really beautiful mountainous country, like in the case of Colorado, but where's the water? Where's the green? Where's the red barn? And, and I was always sort of using Vermont's landscape as my referent of home. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the so this survey really changed in many ways when you got as many responses as you did. Yes, it did. Describe how. Uh, we were awash, drowning in data. So the way we had set up the survey, most of it was um, uh, set up so that the respondent would just check the boxes that applied to them. So that's fairly easy to to analyze statistically, but we also gave the opportunity for people to tell us their stories. So they wrote them in text. And when you have 3,000, almost 700 text responses to several questions, it's really, really difficult to um, to get through that data. And so that's been t that process has taken us a long time. We're still working on it. We found um, ways around that, but it's also, it's wonderful to be, to be have this richness of data available to us. Um, one of the other really great outcomes was that we didn't expect to have a statistically representative survey from this process. We right. just wanted stories. But because of the huge number of responses, we do now have a statistically representative uh, response. Okay. All right. Um, Richard, can you pipe in here and tell me uh, what are your thoughts here on what we've heard so far? Well, I also grew up in Vermont. So um, the survey that Sherry's going to tell you more about has some really interesting findings about why um, some people leave and what they think about Vermont and, and um, how much more nuanced it is than some of the coverage, the news coverage. And what I'll talk about a little later is the kind of research I do is try and make sense of how people see the world. And one of the ways we understand the world is through the media. And what I've done is looked at how the news over time has covered the story the story, and in some ways it boils it down to this idea of of an economic narrative, and Sherry will talk about that, this affordability or jobs, but uh, it may be more nuanced than that, why people leave and why, um, what they think about Vermont. Mm -hmm. So, Why do you think you stayed? You know, um, it's an interesting question that Sherry talks about imprint, so... Early on, I also probably, the ruralness of Vermont, I grew up in Putney, a town famous for our present governor. Governor and I were in grade school together, um, but very rural, farms, hills, streams, landscape, and Sherry will show you, I think, that one of the main things that people think about Vermont is this landscape that we live in. I went away. And then I came back. So that's also a story that I think um, plays through all of this mm -hmm. research. Mm -hmm. All right, let's get to some, what some of your findings are. Um, we were talking with Cheryl Morse and also Richard Watts are talking about why young people uh, leave and why they come back. So I guess first my question is, is this true? I mean, are there a lot of young people leaving? 
Yes, it looks that way, um, but this is not at all a new process. This is a historic process. As uh, Jill Mudgett will remind us, out-migration becomes an anxiety for Vermont leaders um, as in the early 1800s. It continues through that entire century. Um, You're kidding. I mean, like governors are saying, we got to get young people back to Programs Vermont. to bring Swedish farmers to Vermont to occupy abandoned farms. All kinds of programs. Uh, in, in fact, the genesis of tourism and tourism marketing by the state of Vermont starts as a response to anxiety about too many people, too many good Yankees were leaving Vermont in the, uh, at the end of the 19th century. So this is a really old narrative. It only gets abated slightly in the second half of the 20th century when we start seeing uh, people moving to Vermont. But um, when you look at the description of the worries that people have in the 19th century, the early 20th century, and compare them to descriptions today, they're remarkably similar. Really? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Huh. So, yes, we do see, and, and this is what policymakers are, are concerned about. If you look at the census data between the years 2000 and 2010, there are two age groups in Vermont that we actually lose population, not on a percentage basis, but we actually lose numbers. And those people are the people between the ages of 25 and 34 and uh, 35 and 44. So when we're talking about youth out-migration, we have sort of an older aged youth we're talking about. We're really talking about people who've had enough time to develop uh, you know, a profession or career, a line of work and expertise. That's the area where we have diminished numbers. We have increased older people, um, 50 and older, but so we do have fewer working age young people in the state. Mm -hmm. All right. What are some of the reasons why they leave? Um, according to our survey, uh, the leavers are the most um, diverse set of people in terms of the factors they mention for leaving. So what we expected um, based on our own sort of what we hear in the media too, as researchers, we thought the, the key problems that people would identify are um, that there aren't enough jobs in Vermont or jobs in a particular career area and that Vermont's cost of living is too high. And certainly those two things did emerge in the survey um, amongst the leavers, but they got uh, a maximum of 38% response. Other things that we didn't expect to be expressed so strongly were a desire for cultural diversity and a desire to live in an urban place. And those were really, really fascinating. So amongst the leavers, there was this complex net of reasons, a complex set of reasons why they left, um, whereas the returnees and the people who stayed are much more homogenous in their answers. They, they agree much more amongst each other than the leavers do. Hmm. So how did you set it up that people could participate? Could they name as many things as they wanted to, or did you give them a list to select from? How did it work? So the uh, respondents to the survey would have a list in front of them, and they could select all of the things that applied to them. And then there was a place where they could write in um, an other category. So we tried to open it up as wide as possible, understanding that we probably didn't already know what the list of factors would be. Mm -hmm. Why were you surprised that wanting to have an urban setting or more diversity? Why was that a surprise finding? I think probably because we never really talk about that um, in the common narrative of Vermont, that somebody in their heart just may be a city person. And that's why I think there's like a, I think we have a little bit of conceit that Vermont is so spectacularly wonderful. Why would anyone in their right mind want to leave? And most of us feel that way in our hearts. But there are people who need something different to make themselves feel fulfilled. And that's just a personal difference. Mm -hmm. How would you answer that same question, Richard? The... The um, I'm just thinking about my own story. I moved to Houston, Texas, because I wanted to go to a place as opposite as Vermont as possible, and you can't get more opposite than that. No trees, flat, hot. And uh, so what is it that was not that did not work for me? So eventually I made my way back to Vermont. So I do think, and uh, I get to teach and work with college students and... There are definitely people who want to move to Portland, Oregon, or they want to move to Washington, D.C., and there isn't a, really anything that Vermont can do to compete with places like that if it's about building, you know, the sort of cultural urban experience that they're after. Mm -hmm. Sherry, were you able to figure out, I mean, when are people leaving? Is it like right after college? Is it after a few years work, working here after college? I mean, what, at what point do most people kind of leave? 
Um, that's a really important question. And the first study that we did uh, can't answer that question. We didn't ask people when they left, how old they were when they left. And we have a huge age range. We have people from 16 to 91 who answered the survey in terms of their ages. So what we did is a follow-up survey with 100 of the leavers who gave us their contact information. And we did ask that question. Um, and from that particular group of people, it looks like a lot of them left after high school and maybe um, college took them out of the state and then they stayed out. But that, sur that um, data analysis hasn't been fully completed, so it's a little too early for me to say. Mm -hmm. One of the findings that I saw is that you said most people when they left pretty much stayed in the area, in the northeast. Yeah, so we asked them where they went. Uh, we asked the leavers and the returnees where they lived. Um, the number one place by far is somewhere in the Northeast, a state in the Northeast. The second place, around 30% for both groups, is the American South. But what was really, really fascinating to, to us is that somewhere around 17, 16 to 17% of the leavers, and a higher percentage, almost 20% of the returnees, live have lived abroad for a year or more. Um, n not including Canada. So uh, diverse places all over the globe, not just English-speaking or European countries, but Morocco and Brazil and Argentina and all kinds of really interesting places. And they're bringing that back. The returnees are bringing that cultural experience back with them to Vermont when they come. Well, that is interesting because those are not areas that I would immediately identify with like a college abroad uh, program or something like that. Right, and we weren't asking for that. We were asking, you had to have spent uh, at least a year in these places. Um, so these are places where people had a, like an extended experience. Right. So talk about the how you set this up. There are the leavers, the returners, and the stayers. Right. So, how, so do you have a third, a third, a third? How did you do that? Uh, the response rate was a little over half of the people who took the survey are leavers. Um, 30-something percent are stayers, and then the remainder, a smaller percentage, like just under 20 percent, uh, are returnees. Okay. All right. Let's talk about the stayers here for a moment. And uh, you can join us at 244-1777. That's our local number in central Vermont. Toll-free, you can reach us at 877-291-8255. So what was, what was the question that you asked the stayers? Why did you stay? Yes. Um, okay. The first question was just simply, please... Um, it was a, a, a set of factors. We asked them, which of these apply to you in terms of your decision to stay? And um, then we also gave them an opportunity to write in their own comment, their own story. So the factor that got the highest response rate, 70% of the people who stayed, said they enjoy the Vermont landscape and that's why they stay. The second highest was family, which is about 63%. My family's here, that's why I stay. And then... Um, over 50% were uh, appreciate Vermont's culture and community and appreciate Vermont's small size and small scale. Mm -hmm. So if, if when you listen to those percentages, it's important to compare them to the stayers because the highest factor that received attention amongst the leavers was 38%. We've got lot, a lot more agreement amongst the stayers about why they stay. So it's, it's sort of a very interesting um, contrast between these two sets of people. Mm -hmm. What does it tell you? Um, I think it tells us that um, there are some really important themes and cultural values embedded here in Vermont that um, really draw, I guess, people's hearts, um, but they're also their sense of identity and who they are. So in some of those comments, stayers would say, we'd say, okay, please tell us in your own words why you stayed. And they'd say things like, I'm a Vermonter. And that was it. It was like it was that was self-explanatory. Right. That our identity is right. so strong, like they would never question why they would leave. So that's really important to think about about how strong that is and how strong heritage, multiple generations, um, how how closely identified a sense of self is to sort of an abstract version of, of who a Vermonter is. Mm -hmm. So, Richard, in terms of public policymakers, how, how, how important, what, what should public policymakers do with that one thing that Sherry was just talking about, that strong sense of identity that people had? Is that something that they can use to their advantage? I can tell you what, what we have done in Vermont. So, this issue probably, as Sherry said, has been... Um, of concern for hundreds of years back in, over different periods of time. But most recently, in 2006, Governor Douglas devoted part of his State of the State 
to the youth migration crisis, saying, for example, here's a direct quote. So this is the governor in the state of the state, important policy platform. Um, there is an increasing crisis of affordability, and the signals are all around us, chiefly the exodus of young people and new families and the rapid grain of Vermont. And the governor then, Governor Douglas, 2006, uh, announced a policy initiative called the Vermont Promise Scholarships, which would provide up to a thousand awards to high school seniors who committed to staying in Vermont for three years after their college uh, finished, and it would pay for their time in college in return for them committing to stay in Vermont. And it was a huge initiative, $150 million, I think. But it was all framed in this idea that we need to keep these young people here because of this um, workforce issues and for the economy. And the focus was very much on, on that economic narrative. And Governor Shumlin has a similar initiative, um, which is focused on the science, technology, and engineering fields. And again, in this case, if you commit to stay in Vermont, I think it's the fourth year of your college would be paid for. But both of these are very focused on this economic story. And I think what Sherry is saying, and our report, Sher Sherry's data is very available and people can look at this, is that the question, just as you asked me, is much more nuanced. It's more than the affordability. It's all these other issues about what it is to be a Vermonter and, and these other experiences that people may be looking for that may not be able to be addressed by offering scholarships, although that is one thing that our policymakers have tried to do. Mm -hmm. uh, so, okay, so do, does what the governor talked about doing here resonate with the respondents that you had? I mean, you know, Richard's saying sort of, but would that have, would that have worked and kept people here? Maybe some. I think some might have. There are complaints that you can hear very strongly amongst uh, the leavers in the survey about um, the high cost of, of higher education in the state. So perhaps it would have, especially a program um, like Douglas's that he had framed out that would, would sort of um, provide that money for people studying a whole bunch of different disciplines. Um, I think, though, there's some other ways we can think about strengthening the state uh, along the lines of cultural diversity that may also support um, initiatives to keep people here or to draw people back. So if uh, a, a large percentage of our leavers are leaving because they feel like they can't find cultural diversity in Vermont, there's two, there's two things that we can do here. One is we can celebrate the cultural diversity we already have. And we don't tend to do that so well in Vermont. We have, we have a history of cultural diversity that we don't talk about so much. Um, and we have, we have a you know, a small but growing um, set of people from all over the world who are living in Vermont. So, for one, we need to talk about that more and uh, point it out more. Secondly, if we improve our infrastructure, meaning physical in infrastructure, so it's easier to get around the state, it's easier for those people who want to come back to live in a small town that they appreciate, get to work, and also get to um, get around the state where they can experience cultural diversity a bit more easily, that would help. But the reverse of that's true, so that uh, the folks who are moving into mainly Chittenden County have the ability to get out into rural areas more easily through bus systems, through uh, finding work in rural areas. There would be a, a sort of a dissemination of that diversity across the state, and it wouldn't all be housed in just a few pockets of the state. Yeah, because there are an awful lot of younger people that don't want to own a car. Yes, this is true. I mean, I think that's sort of a new generation thing. I mean, I, I don't think that's necessarily, you know, you're much younger than Richard and I, but I think, you know, when Richard and I were growing up, I mean, everybody got a car, you know, and that's, how, that's what you did. But I have to point out that uh, when we carpooled down here, Richard rode his bike from uh, from Hinesburg all the way out to Richmond to, to meet me, so he is a champion. Wow. <laughs> all right. 244-1777 uh, is our local number. Toll-free, 877-291-8255. Let me have you put your headphones on here. Let's go to the phones, and we uh, head to Montpelier. Dave, good morning. How's it going? Good morning, Mark. Good morning, guests. It's going okay. Uh, I'm reminded that Joe Sherman wrote a book about this a couple of years ago, and I'm wondering if your guests aren't, if they're not skewing for a different a, a sort of income-based demographic that they're talking about professionals and people with higher education. But Sherman 
addressing the same topic of, of young people leaving Vermont, came up with a different conclusion. And I can't really help but wonder if, yes, in fact, Vermont is not successful at retaining highly paid people with professional ambitions, but as Sherman found out, retaining people who want kinship connections, who have kinship connections and want to sustain them, I wonder if your guests could talk to that. All right. Hi, uh, this is Cheryl. Thank you uh, for that, sort of pointing out Sherman's work. And you are right, you're absolutely right. There is a we're, we are not skewing the results, but we have a skewed survey response. So I want to make that clear. There are a couple of limitations to the survey. One is Vermont is a highly educated place. So we tend to have higher education levels than the national average. Um, the people that took our survey are even more educated on average than our Vermont averages. So we, have, we are skewed in that sense that a lot of the people that responded are people who have um, higher degrees. So this is true. And one of the things that we can do with such a large data set is we can pull those out. We can do an analysis of a re representative, a more representative of Vermont's current population um, to to sort of get at that question. But family is important. And, and that kinship and family and that uh, for a lot of people, when they wrote in why they stayed or what they missed and why they came back. A lot of people wrote about not just their family and their family connections. We did ask them if they still had family here. Um, most people do. Most leavers, I think 85%, still have family here. They also talked about heritage connections. So starting off with the phrase that we often hear, I'm a seventh generation Vermonter. I'm a fifth generation Vermonter. So all of that is embedded in here, regardless of educational attainment. That is really, really strong. Why did you come back, Richard? I'm, I have to think about that, but let me... <laughs> Young Vermonters are not an endangered species. That is Joe Sherman's book, and it's fabulous. And it's the stories that, of interviews that he has conducted with um, Vermonters who chose to stay, young Vermonters who chose to stay. And um, Joe Sherman wrote another really fabulous book that I just want to mention, Fast yeah. Lanes on a Dirt, Dirt Road. Road. It's a great book. Which... Uh, my other hat, I think a lot about transportation, as Sherry said, and uh, about how we get around and ways that we can get around that aren't so car dependent. But You know, that one book, if you move to Vermont and you want to get up to speed on the history of this state, that's the one book I would recommend. Right. Right. And Joe is um, very much still around up in uh, Montgomery or wherever yep. he lives. Um, so for me, coming back to Vermont, it was probably something that I had always thought that I would do. And the opportunity came available. I got a job as a newspaper reporter and uh, came back to Vermont with my family. And one of the things that we talk about here that I'm following is this economic story. And, and actually, if you're thinking about the job producer age groups, it's not necessarily those 22 and 23 and 24-year-olds that... Um, are the strongest contributors to the economy. It's really the people in their 30s, you know, who are it's starting into their careers that um, policymakers and others need to think about if we really, if it's really an economic narrative that's at the core of the story. Although what I'm trying to suggest is that it's a more complicated story and it's not just about jobs and it's not just about affordability. There's a lot of other things that are at play here. Let's go to uh, East Montpelier. Good morning, Patty. How are you? I'm good. Um, did politics play any part? Because it's being considered a liberal state, that attracts some people, including Bernie Sanders, <laughs> came from somewhere else. Uh, the Bernie Sanders effect. We'll, we'll see if that was part of the survey. Thank you, Patty. Uh, politics are present in the survey. But not the way we might think. Um, we, didn't, we didn't specifically ask people to declare uh, their politics in any way or their political identity. But it, you know, when we asked people um, why they stayed or why they left, 
politics comes up there and and both sides so we actually a, a good example we have two respondents uh from brattleboro who are stayers and one explained very eloquently why she stayed and she loves the farmer's market and community and all these kinds of things and um she really loves Bernie. And then the next one was another person from that area saying, I love the landscape and I love small farms and I love fresh food. The Democrats are not the reason why I stay here. So um, everything's expressed there. It's all over the place. Um, we don't see one narrative of, of uh, political identity emerge at all. Take a short break. We'll come back and continue our discussion. We've been talking with some researchers at the University of Vermont looking at this question of why people who grew up in Vermont leave, uh, why some stay, and why some even come back. We'll take a short break. Back after this. For nearly two decades, the team at PowerShift has been helping Vermont businesses make the most out of their online presence. PowerShift builds sites that are easy to edit, eliminating the need for costly developer maintenance. Want to change a photo? Done. Need to update your address? No problem. PowerShift is shifting the power of web design into your hands. Give us a call to schedule your free website consultation at 802-253-6287 or visit us online at www.powershift.biz. PowerShift. Local web design. Global results. Are you a flavor junkie? Do you have discerning taste or just really opinionated taste buds? Well, if so, and you're 18 or older, the Curie Green Mountain Sensory Test Center wants to hear from you. Join us at our facility in Waterbury Center for ongoing tasting sessions. And be the first to experience innovative foods, beverages, and other products before you see them in the grocery aisle. Tasting sessions happen every week and only take 30 to 45 minutes. Each time you visit, you'll receive rewards such as Amazon gift cards and Keurig.com discounts, plus incentives to shop and eat locally while you're in town. Who doesn't want the opportunity to have fun and get rewarded at the same time? All you have to do is tell us what you think. There's no experience necessary to participate. You just need to be 18 or older and love trying new things. Become a Keurig Green Mountain taste tester today and let your voice be heard. Give us a call at 882-2500, and don't forget to tell your friends. It's that time of the year again, and the Country Club of Barrie is gearing up for a great 2015 season. Before you know it, you'll be hitting straight drives and sinking long putts. Join now and maximize your spring and summer. There's a membership level to fit any budget. Golf is a great family activity, too. Kids under 14 play for free with a member. So get off the couch and get on the course. Country Club of Barrie, a course you'll never forget. See it at ccofberry.com. Looking for a loan for your Vermont business, childcare, or nonprofit organization? Look at the Vermont Community Loan Fund. Because at the Vermont Community Loan Fund, we lend to Vermont businesses and nonprofits, even if the bank says you're not quite ready for a loan. At the Vermont Community Loan Fund, we focus on people, not profits. We'll work closely with you before and after you get your loan to make sure you get what you need to succeed. The Vermont Community Loan Fund makes loans to early stage companies and established businesses ready to take the next step. We lend to farms and food producers, high-tech businesses, manufacturers, retailers, childcare businesses, affordable housing developers, service providers, and other nonprofit organizations. We make loans to Vermonters doing business right here at home and around the world. So if you're looking for financing to help your growing business, look at the Vermont Community Loan Fund. Visit us online at investinvermont.org. That's investinvermont.org. Circus, comedy, music, and mayhem this Saturday, May 16th with Vermont Vaudeville at the Spruce Peak Performing Arts Center in Stowe. Vermont Vaudeville brings an age-old art form to the modern stage, including live music, big stunts, and physical comedy that people of all ages will enjoy. Family four-pack tickets are available. Vermont Vaudeville in Stowe. Saturday, May 16th. Visit sprucepeakarts.org. All right, we're back continuing our discussion. We've been uh, chatting with Richard Watts and also Cheryl Morse, both with the University of Vermont, about a study that was done why younger people are leaving Vermont, why they stay, and why they come back. So we haven't really talked much about why they come back. Uh, we talked about why they stay. We talked about why they leave. What, what are the big reasons why people come back? Uh, so, I mean, we sort of have, but maybe yeah. you can talk so, about it a little bit more. Uh, there is some agreement amongst the uh, returnees why they come back. Um, about half of them, 
a little bit more, I think 60%, say it's a complex of, of three things. Landscape, family, and the small size of our communities and um, uh, sort of the Vermont culture, an undefined Vermont culture. So the same themes that emerge among stayers uh, are there for the returnees as well. Mm-hmm. When we were just t- chatting about this a little bit during the break, but the, this phenomenon of Chittenden County, which you know everybody knows is sort of part of Vermont, but um, kind of close nearby, and, and how it's really growing, and, and I think it's becoming the hub for, if you're young, a younger person, it's where you want to move back to. It's where there are other younger people. It's where you can have a social life, God forbid, maybe even have a love life. And uh, So can you talk about that and how the, the concentration of young, or is it true? I mean, is the concentration of younger people in Chittenden County? I mean, it seems obvious to well, me. Well, what but. I can tell you from the survey is both amongst the stayers and the returnees, there's a definite trend to for those who grew up outside of Ch- of Chittenden County, so any other county besides Chittenden County, to move into Chittenden County. So even amongst those of us who stayed, I'm I'm a good example. I think Richard is as well. We both live in Chittenden County now, but we both grew up uh, outside. So there is a trend for us to become. Um, uh, and neither one of us lives in the urban center of Chittenden County, but in a way, you can say that there's an urbanization of Vermont taking place. This is borne out in the census. Um, the same process is happening uh, to a smaller extent in Washington County, um, presumably because of the draw of Montpelier. So um, we are seeing even even the stayers are, are kind of tending to move in that direction. So yes, we do have um, a concentration of young people there. We have returnees saying, yes, I really want to come back to Vermont, but for whatever reason, uh, Chittenden County is probably the place I have to live. And, and for some people, we, what we saw in the comments is they've had this experience of cultural diversity someplace else. They want to live in Vermont, but uh, they want to live as close to a, a, a sort of an urban or or culturally diverse environment as they can. Mm-hmm. Where, is there anything Richard, public policy leaders should be taking and be mindful of when they hear that? Well, I'm going to come back to the transportation thing for a minute. We do know that millennials are driving much less, are choosing not to drive, are enjoying riding their bicycles or or living in places that are walkable. And from a public policy point of view, to provide those alternatives and options and safe on-road bike facilities and sidewalks and transit systems that work are all steps that we could take that would encourage or at least provide this um, way of getting around that millennials are really asking for. And we know that from national surveys. Now, obviously, there are challenges in doing that in some places in Vermont, but just simply extending sidewalks increases the amount of people who walk. Um, so there are some public policy measures that have been identified by state leaders here. VTrans, for example, did a, a report on this that came to a similar findings. So that's one policy thing to think about. Mm-hmm. How could you ever get younger people to live outside of Chittenden County? Well, as you mentioned also in the break, there's this idea of the creative economy. So people, young people are attracted to places where there's things going on. Music and, you know, activities and where they can meet other people like them. And we are trying to do that in some of our Vermont towns. In Montpelier and Waterbury and Brandon and, and Bells Falls and um, Rockingham County and... So, again, there are certain challenges based on we're a small state and we have small populations, but there, there's much more to this than, than just thinking about the jobs, I think, is one story to take away. That there's this whole other cultural ambience that we have to think about if it's really about keeping these people and making it an attractive place to come back to. Well, it sounds like we better do it damn good job in the environment and the landscape i mean otherwise why is anybody i mean you, you wouldn't have come back uh, yeah absolutely actually, and I, yeah, right. uh, you got the point yeah i got the i got the point uh jill mudgett makes the point one of the people on our survey um team makes the point really strongly that uh we better we better do a really good job of stewarding this landscape that people like so much because that's the, that's the thing that's keeping us here many of us here and, and drawing us back so who would have known when we um, outlawed billboards the impact it's going to have on on our landscape and how people identify with this place? We we see it in the survey. People saying, "I want to live in a place where there's no billboards," or um, as much as we kind of in house um, 
grapple with working landscapes and how to protect them and, and also how to retain property rights, some of the things that we've done as a state, perhaps like Act 250, have actually really um, made us think very carefully about landscape decisions that we make. So I'm not suggesting that shellacking the entire state and making it stay the same, the same way all the time is the answer, but just being really thoughtful about what we do and the kinds of industry we grow uh, seems prudent. Are there, was there any indication what kind of jobs younger people are looking for? Are we all kind of clueless here about what people should be offering? Uh, what it, well, it's a, a way to think about that is sort of in the opposite direction. So we've, we looked at, um, in the smaller survey, we looked at the kinds of work that leavers were doing. And we did find comments from people saying, I left because I couldn't find people to work for me who were skilled. And that wasn't just the STEM. Uh, disciplines. So uh, we had a graphic de designer who left because she couldn't find, um, you know, people in her area who were up to um, uh, the standards that she required. We also had people um, in aviation and other industries say the same thing. So I think it's a broad approach. So strengthening rural communities, strengthening inf infrastructure, um, sort of supporting the development of um, cultural diversity and those things, all of those things will help in addition to jobs programs, in addition to helping with the cost of higher education. It's, it's um, a sort of a very uh, spread out approach would be the one that, that this survey suggests. Mm -hmm. 244-1777 is our local number. Toll free, you can reach us at 877-291-8255. Moment of your time for our friends at Jet Service Envelope. If you're looking for an outstanding local printer, make it our friends at the Jet. You can reach them at 229-9335. Now in its fourth generation in the same family, Jeff Blow somehow convinced his kid to stick around here. And uh, you can take advantage of that and give them a call today for any and all of your printing needs, whether it's a memoir you need to get printed, maybe you've just done a report on why people are leaving and you want to have it look really fancy, you can send it down to uh, Jet Service Envelope and you can call them at, uh, you ready for the number, Sherry? 229-9335 and on the web at jetservice-envelope.com. We've been talking with Cheryl Morse and Richard Watts of the University of Vermont about a study done on why younger people leave Vermont, why they stay, and why they come back. You know, I'm wondering as I'm listening to you guys talking here whether or not it is even worth it for public policy leaders to try to develop plans to get younger people to stay. I mean, it sounds like there's sort of a natural flow that happens regardless of what anybody does. Is that is that fair to say or not? I've had the same question. <clears throat> I haven't articulated it as well as you have, but I've been thinking about that as well. If this has been happening for 200 years and you know, is Vermont just really, really good at raising fantastic children who go out into the world elsewhere and do fantastic things? Is that is that one of our roles? It's a little bit cynical and a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but um, I think, you know, if we look at the census data, we might also start thinking not so much about the youngest people, as Richard was pointing out, but people in their 40s and 50s. Getting those folks, whether or not they are returnees or just new people coming into the state, they have so much to offer. They have uh, all the kinds of work experience and life experience um, that enriches all of these small communities. Maybe have a little bit less desire uh, for a, an urbane, an urban experience and so therefore are going to be contributors to the smaller towns and smaller communities as volunteers and coaches and all those all those roles that you need to have in a small community to make it really a great place to live so i think another another strategy would be to look at those 40 and 50 year olds maybe uh the folks who um have always wanted to come to a place and live in live in a smaller town that would be that would be a strategy I would work toward as well. Mm -hmm. Well, and we were um, talking about this too. I mean, there's a certain change that's going on in Chittenden County. It's becoming it's not certainly be any more affordable day by day, and it's growing and it's becoming more urban, and it may push people out of Chittenden County to some of these other areas. Um, I, I think that would, that's an interesting thing to think about. Um, we have a student who just did his uh, honors thesis in the geography department on the gentrification of the old north end of Burlington. So the question is, where are those people who can no longer afford to live in the old north end, where are they going? Um, and if they go further and further afield, how are they getting back into their jobs? How are they connecting with services? 
uh, that's those are in, yeah. really important questions. Yeah, because not everybody can move to Winooski. You know, it used to be that if you moved out of the Burlington's Old North End, that you, you moved to Winooski. But now people are moving to Johnson and, and much further beyond. Richard, can you talk about that question that I asked Cheryl about whether it's even worth the time for these politicians to be wasting their breath on trying to keep young, younger people here? You know, I, I also have uh, some agreement with what Cheryl Sherry just said, and that is that 22-year-olds and 23-year-olds and 24-year-olds kind of need to see the world. And um, they're going to do it, and uh, and that's maybe not you know the the um, their best job earning years anyway, because they're going to be exploring things, and um, so I I can certainly see that, and then I can see really trying to think about programs that bring people back um, later, uh, make and keep making Vermont this special place that we talk about. And we do have some characteristics which are just unique. For example, we have 235 village centers. We still have distinct village centers and towns, like my town, a Hinesburg, and you can just go up and down the, the length of Vermont. We still have, whereas in many places in this country, those have been lost. They've just been totally destroyed or run over because development has been slow in Vermont. So is there some way to take advantage of that? And... Those are all things that I think about, and I don't know what the answers are, but always it's, it take, it's a little more complicated than we initially think. You know, I thought that was part of the, the flaw in Douglas's idea, that idea of having people have to stay here right after they graduated from college. Because, you know, I, I, I'm with you. I think people in their early 20s want to go out and experience something else, and that might be better for all of us that they come back as richer people, not monetarily. Yes, I have three daughters, and one's in India, one's in Australia, and one's doing here in Vermont. And I'm I'm hoping the other two will end up back here, but they are going to want to see the world for a little while before they do. Two four four seventeen seventy seven is our local number. Toll free eight seven seven two nine one eight two five five. Before I forget, where can you read the? Where can you find the report? So. Center for Research on Vermont. Just Google it, and the this is called the Vermont Roots. And it's right there on the left side is a tab, and the full report is downloadable from there. And Sherry's email is there. You're probably still not taking stories. I don't know, but you can certainly shoot her a note with your own thoughts about why you stayed, leave, what you think about Vermont. All right. Well, both of you went into this with some ideas of what you thought you might come out of it with. Um, Sherry talked a little bit earlier about what her surprises were. What were your surprises out of this? For me, for the type of kind of research I, I do, I'm trying to find what's at the roots of this narrative. And I'm looking most frequent, most, most recently at 2006 and, and up until through Governor Shumlin. And, and when you get to the roots of the narrative, you find two or three or four uh, people who think about economics. And, and in some ways, that's why that story has become so economic. And then you had... The New York Times jumping in here with a big story that had a big impact in Vermont about this dramatic thing of youth exodus. And somehow that got conflated with this idea of brain drain. And brain drain is not really 21 and 22-year-olds leaving Vermont. Um, they would argue with that. <laughs> so all of these things just became this sort of crisis. And, and, and I'm interested in how that became this big, compelling story for a while. This was a big initiative of Governor Douglas's, $150 million. And a number of reports followed. There was the Next Generation Commission. And so that story just became this powerful story. So for me, it was really intriguing to try and find the roots of that and see why it's so... So is it a non-story? No, there's definitely, with any any story, there's you know parts of it that make sense and resonate in other parts but it's always it's just always more complicated and there's so many different reasons why people leave Vermont and it's not just about not enough jobs for certain age groups I just want to jump in on the on the brain drain um, comment that's definitely there and uh, rural to urban migration is a a global problem. It's a national problem. Yeah. It's something that's been happening for decades. The, em the center of our country is emptying out. So the, the 
the movement is there. But I think it's really disrespectful to call it a brain drain and because it assumes that those of us who stayed don't have any intellectual anything to offer or are not innovative. And I don't see that to be the case. And uh, the next commission, uh, the next generation report that Richard just mentioned, they have this notion of brain circulation because what they found in their research was, yes, we are losing some people who are, who are leaving, right? And uh, gaining their degrees and, and professional experience elsewhere. But we also have people coming in, bringing in their richness of, of experience from elsewhere. So I would really hope we stop using the brain drain um, phrase because I, I think it's disrespectful to, to people who stayed. And, and I think one other thing we should really think about in terms of um, strengthening the economy and, and the quality of life here is is to think about vocational education, to think about training and trades that that can't be done just anywhere. If you need to have your car fixed, you have to have it fixed in your town. You need to have somebody capable and, and available to do that work. Um, medical care. There are a lot of those industries that need to, that could be strengthened here through vocational education and would um, create high-paying jobs for people who want to stay. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the other things is, you know, we don't have any idea how many young people are coming in. I mean, it might be more than going out, right? Uh, well, we can kind of see that from the census that we're still at a deficit in those in those age categories. So, but but let's harness the fifty-year-olds. Let's let's harness people my age, forty-seven. They're good people to capture. I knew you were a lot younger than Richard and me. All right, let's take a couple of calls. Uh, let's go to uh, Jim in Burlington. Good morning. Hello. How's it going? Uh, okay. Well, I can tell you uh, something Obvious about 20 -year -old myself, Jim. and I'll try and. Make it kind of fast. Okay. I, I was not born in Vermont. However, <clears throat> I have some Vermont roots. I had a, a great-grandmother that was born in the town of Weston. And uh, she didn't stay in Vermont. She went to Albany, I think. Worked. She worked for a doctor there. But as time went on, my her daughter, my grandmother, became the owner of that farm. And my grandmother also bought a, a very small farm adjacent to that. And I used to spend a lot of summertime there when I was a kid. In 1937, I spent the whole summer there. And that was the first season of the Weston Playhouse. And I used to hang around there, and I got to know Lloyd Bridges. I was a nine-year-old kid, but I wow. used to talk to him as he studied his lines sitting on the Playhouse steps. Wow. But I had a very warm feeling, Vermont, but as time went on, I never thought I'd have a chance to earn my living here. And when I was 38, I um, I was living, I was working in the aerospace defense industry, and I was living in suburban Washington D.C. And on a rainy Sunday afternoon, I picked up the New York Times. <clears throat> I always liked the New York Times, and there was an ad in there put out by the Vermont Development Department looking for people who I think it was would like to work and play in Vermont or something like that. And I answered it. <laughs> and uh, I never thought, I, I wrote a crummy-looking one-page resume, because I didn't have anything better to do, sent it to the Vermont Development Department. And I never expected an answer, but about uh, six weeks or so later, I did get an answer. I got an answer from General Electric here in Burlington, and they invited me up for an interview. And uh, I got an offer, and I took it. Wow. And that was in 1966, and I, I just like it here. Huh. And that's how I came here. And um, maybe you ought to advertise in, in a paper. like I think probably the New York Times is the best, but there are other big city papers like the Washington Post and so forth. Yeah. Um, but, but it's just, there's something magical about Vermont that made me want to come here. Let me, get our guest, let me get our guest to comment. Thank you, Jim. I think you've hit on something that I've been thinking about a lot, which is this notion of play. If people are uh, expressing that they really love the landscape and they love the small communities and they love recreational activities in Vermont, then that's really what we should be uh, playing up for people elsewhere to draw them into the state that those sorts of amenities that's called um, amenity led migration to rural areas and and that's um that's a movement around the country and that's one that we could we could think about if we we're trying to um attract more people here let's go to plainfield tom good morning yeah morning i had a, just a couple quick things uh, i know my uh, my two kids 
graduating classes, uh, which are uh, up at Hazen there. Uh, very, very few of them are still in the state. And what I found in, you were talking about the uh, brain drain is the overwhelmingly the ones that ended up staying were the ones that either couldn't afford college or didn't want to go to college. And uh, I think what what's kind of happening is it's becoming a, a state of the, the have, haves and the have-nots, and the ones that are that stayed are your service people and, you know, the people that plow your yards and mow your lawns, and uh, I just think it's not a sustainable lifestyle for Vermont up to that point. Just as an anecdote, I was visiting friends who moved from Vermont to North Carolina, and I, had, I was amazed by the number of people that would see my Vermont plates and wanted to know where I was from, and that's where they were from. And, that's uh, interesting. I'll just kind of hang up and listen. All right. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, I think, I think that's something that we really, as a state, need to think about. Um, we talk a lot about helping kids with college education. I think that's really important. Uh, not everybody is positioned to go to college. And we need to think about other things, other kinds of training. As I was mentioning before, vocational training, um, programs that, that students might start in high school and then finish maybe a year after that would allow them to have um, a high-quality high lifestyle in the place that they want to live, doing some meaningful work for their neighbors or for their state. So I think that's something we really don't talk too much about, um, which, which really deserves much more attention. Anything you want to add to that? No, I agree. It's a fundamental issue we really need to think about that this gap between the rich and the poor that we know nationally, how, how is it happening in Vermont? Is it happening between our more urbanized county and our more rural places? And what are the opportunities and how are they spread across the, I think, just really, really important stuff. So thanks for bringing it up, Tom. I, yeah, because, you know, it gets back to that thing I was talking about. I mean, I just think there's a real danger that the separation between Burlington and Chittenden County and the rest of Vermont is just going to get larger and larger. No, don't, I, don't you? Um, absolutely. The um, the places that are growing in Vermont is Chittenden County. It's a third of our economic uh, sort of engine is Chittenden County. And yes, no, we really, and I know lots and lots of people are thinking about this in lots of ways, but we can't lose sight of it. Absolutely. Um, we do see that in, we can see the population moving sort of into Chittenden County and out of other places. And, and that's... Um, Certainly what's happening, but I, I want to come back to this question of education and leaving. There, the scholars who work on um, out-migration of youth from rural areas have identified the fact that a lot of times if you want to secure higher education, you have to leave your rural place. It's not just you leave the state of Vermont, which does happen, but you have to leave your uh, maybe your small town and go into UVM or go into... Um, uh, a, a, another place which feels very different from your rural home and there's that's that's a hurdle too that's a cultural hurdle for a lot of us who grew up in a small town and all of a sudden we find ourselves in Burlington with with more kids from out of state than in state and what that all means and so there's this notion that as you progress up through different levels of higher education you move further and further from the rural and if you want to get a you know, a PhD, most of us would have to leave Vermont to find our field. Mm -hmm. So there's an urbanization of the mind is what one mm. scholar calls it, that you're, you're supposed to leave your provincial roots behind. And uh, that's something that I'm, I've been thinking a lot, about a lot, and, I, and I'm sort of trying to fight back against in my smaller kind of way. Mm. Yeah, and I'm not sure the Internet could totally solve that. I mean, I'm, that's one bridge, but maybe not the whole thing. Yeah, maybe not the whole thing. And, um, and this notion that that ideas are urbane and sophisticated, um, and that some ideas are provincial and rural. That's that's a that's a geography of your mind. That's not just about where you live. It's how you identify as a person. Um, and I would hope that, at least in Vermont, that we can celebrate people who choose very consciously to be here and also choose to do whatever their field is extremely well and and aren't seen as being provincial. Mm. Thank you both for coming in. That was, a, that was an interesting chat, to say the least. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank, Thank you, Mark. Richard Watts uh, and also Cheryl Morse, both with the University of Vermont. As you heard them mention, you can uh, find their project and their report on the web. We'll take a short break. We'll get our White House report, then take your calls the rest of the way. This is FM 96.1 WDEV Warren and AM 550 WDEV Waterbury Montpelier, and we'll be back after this.
This town ain't big enough for the both of us. That's right, partner. When I say draw, you draw. But if you say draw and we both draw, but technically that'd be a double draw. Because you know we're both drawing. Oh yeah, that's the point. We're both drawing. Oh, there you go. Yeah, there Speaking of Double Draw, the Vermont Lottery invites you to play Double Draw Dollars, where you could win $25 instantly. Now through May 16th, buy two consecutive Pick 3 or Pick 4 draw tickets, and you could win $25 right on the spot. Double Draw Dollars. It's double the fun. Please play responsibly. Plainfield Hardware and General Store is much more than rakes and shovels. Now there's some exciting news. Jacob and Chandra Miller and their company, Boulders and Blossoms Greenhouse and Landscape Supply, have taken over Central Vermont's largest greenhouse. Find over 300 hanging baskets in brilliant colors, thousands of herbs and annuals in six packs and flats. Boulders and Blossoms Greenhouse and Landscape Supply also has bulk premium bark mulch, and their landscape product lines will expand. Plainfield Hardware and General Store has everything for your home, bagged Vermont compost and moo products and mulch. You'll find beautiful picnic tables made in Plainfield, Adirondack chairs and cabin. There's a new and rapidly expanding toy selection, and their creamy machine is up and running. This spring, make it family-owned and operated Plainfield Hardware and General Store, welcoming Boulders and Blossoms Greenhouse and Landscape Supply, halfway between Plainfield and East Montpelier, on Route 2. Savings happen every day at Kinney Drugs. And to help you save even more, we've introduced Price Busters. Super low prices on hundreds of items throughout the store. Like Donut House Coffee K-Cups, $5.99. Luden's Throw Drops, two for $3. And Organics Shampoo or Conditioner, only $5.49. Just look for the Price Buster signs at any Kinney location or check out our...